Hello, lovebirds. Either welcome back or welcome for the first time to the Wednesday Weddings and Wine podcast. If you're new here, my name is Crystal Gardenia. I'm the owner and senior wedding planner at Gardenia Weddings, a wedding planning company based in Austin, Texas and Phoenix, Arizona. I use this podcast to provide wedding planning tips and insight, and I do it all while trying a new wine. Because after stressing about planning your wedding, it's nice to just sit back and enjoy a glass of wine. So pop your bottles and let's talk weddings. So the wine we're going to be pairing with today's episode in honor of Pride Month is the House Wine Rainbow Edition Rosé. This is my first time trying this wine and it is really tasty. It's not overly sweet, not overly dry, tart or anything, just a really nice balance and really crisp. What I also love about this wine is the brand itself. So House Wine has partnered with the Human Rights Campaign and they donate a portion of their proceeds from this wine to that organization, which is amazing. They also have, as they're saying, since it's called house wine, their kind of mantra is everyone is welcome in our house, which I think is just beautiful. So for today's episode, again, in honor of Pride Month, we're going to be talking about how to host an LGBTQ plus inclusive wedding. So this can apply if you are within the queer community yourself or if you are an ally who is wanting to make sure that your queer friends and guests are feeling comfortable at your wedding. My first tip will be to be very cognizant of the vendors that you're booking. You wanna make sure that you're booking vendors and building a wedding team of inclusive vendors or diverse vendors. So really try and gear more towards a queer owned vendors, but if not, at least make sure that all of your vendors are LGBTQ plus inclusive and they're gonna be respectful of either yourselves or the guests that you're going to have at your wedding. So for this, you can always reference um, one of our prior episodes um, going over how to find LGBTQ plus inclusive vendors. Kind of piggybacking off of that would be to pay close attention to the venue where you're having your wedding, specifically the restrooms. A lot of venues have gendered restrooms, just like a lot of stores and restaurants and whatnot, where there's a men's restroom and a woman's restroom. And so to be really inclusive and to make sure everyone feels comfortable, ask the venue if they will allow you to cover those gender labels. So I'm not saying don't book the venue if they have uh, gender labeled restrooms, but ask them if they'd be okay with you covering them. We purchased some restroom labels on Amazon that just say all gender restroom that we just use a command strip and cover the kind of standard men's women's label. And it's really easy to remove. There's no damage or anything like that. I don't use the adhesive that comes with the label when you buy it off of Amazon because that is pretty strong. So it's meant to be kind of semi-permanent. So I don't use that. I just leave the kind of film over it, the little plastic uh, cover, and I just attach a command strip instead on the back. Another thing with the venue is if you are queer identifying yourself, you want to check out their getting ready rooms before you book the venue just to make sure you're going to feel comfortable. Make sure they're not very distinctly gendered. One is very clearly meant for a man. One is very clearly meant for the woman. And they're very kind of stereotyped in how they're decorated. So make sure you're going to feel comfortable in where you're getting ready on site. The next would be to think about the verbiage that the DJ uses when announcing activities. 
specifically the bouquet toss and the garter toss. These are very gendered wedding activities. They always say all the single ladies come to the dance floor, all the single guys come to the dance floor. So if you are queer identifying yourself or if you know that you have some non-binary gender fluid people who are gonna be attending your wedding, you wanna make sure they feel comfortable. It's a small thing that you don't really think about, but it's something that it's just a moment of them feeling uncomfortable and they don't really know where they fit as far as these activities go. And so that's a really sad moment for that person to have. Um, It can kind of be a downer for their mood. So instead, I recommend just having the DJ say all the single people, just open it up to everyone. Um, And, you know, obviously, if any cis hetero men don't want to participate in the bouquet toss, they don't need to. Um, They'll kind of just excuse themselves from that activity. So just because the DJ says all the single people get on the dance floor, some people will just kind of not participate in a uh, certain activity because of how they identify. They don't really think that activity is for them but just leave that up to them to make that decision. I will say I have seen weddings where everyone does participate in the bouquet toss and the garter toss, and it's really funny. It's a really good time. There's no reason why it has to be men doing a specific one and the women doing a specific one. Tagging along with that, I would talk to your DJ about using gender terms in general outside of just those activities. So throughout the entire day, I would advise the DJ to stay away from using gender terms, to not say, all right, ladies and gentlemen, let's get this party started, like things like that, things that just kind of roll off the tongue. You know, it's something that if you don't bring it up, they're not going to think to not say that unless you are specifically booking a DJ who specializes in queer weddings, then that's probably their standard script is to not use those terms. So make sure you have that conversation with the DJ. I would recommend before you book them, have that conversation because you'll be able to see their reaction if they're like, okay, that's annoying or okay, that's weird or whatever it is. You'll be able to get that vibe off of them. Um, And then it will tell you if you're going to feel comfortable moving forward with that DJ. But it's definitely something that I would remind them of. So usually meet with your DJ a couple weeks before the wedding to go through your music selections and all of that. So during that meeting, I would just bring it up again as a reminder. And I would expand that to all of your wedding vendors. If you have a photo booth, I would tell the photo booth person to not, you know, refer to people as ladies and gentlemen and All of your vendors just advise them that it is a queer wedding or you're expecting to have some queer guests and you want everyone to feel included and make sure that they are just using gender neutral terms. Again, if you're booking vendors who are used to working with this demographic, you'll maybe just bring it up once and they'll reassure you like, oh, believe me, I don't use um, gender terms unless someone specifies. So it's not a problem. Um, Then that's something different. But generally speaking, it's definitely worth mentioning and giving a few reminders. Also with the photo booths, I would recommend asking the photo booth to either not bring their gendered props that say bride, groom, especially if you are queer identifying and you are same sex, let's say same sex female, ask them to bring two bride signs instead of a bride and groom sign tell them to just not bring the groom to sign at all or vice versa if it's a same-sex male couple um, or ask them to not bring any of them. Don't bring any gendered signs and consider buying your own. You can go on Amazon and buy some pride-themed props um, for a photo booth and just bring them in yourselves and just make sure that you get them back from the photo booth at the end of the night. If you are queer identifying yourself, I would possibly consider reminding anyone who's giving a toast of your preferred pronouns, especially if you have recently 
adjusted your pronouns. If you are now using they, them pronouns, if you are using different pronouns and you were assigned at birth and it just happened within the last couple of years or your family's still getting used to it or whatever it is, it does not hurt to just remind them. If you have a planner, ask them to remind the people giving toes. So on my end with my company, we send a details email to the wedding party and everyone giving a toast. Um, the week of the wedding. And in there, we'll put any special reminders for the toast givers. We'll say, hey, remember, they don't want any stories about X, Y, and Z. Don't bring this up. Make sure your toast is less than five minutes long. And remember that so-and-so's pronouns are they, them. So you can kind of take it off your shoulders, have your uh, planner do it. Otherwise, it really is okay for you to bring it up yourself just really casually. All right, now it's time for our listener question. So Justine says, my fiance and I have been going back and forth about who is going to change their name or if either of us even should. Any advice? Yes. My biggest advice is don't do it if you don't want to. As simple as that, you do not have to change your last name. Neither of you do. Also know that you have other options versus just one of you purely taking the other's last name. You can hyphenate um, and have a combination of the two as your last name. I've also seen some people, it's as popular in some cultures where one of the partner's last names now becomes your middle name and then you keep your last name or your current last name becomes your middle name and then your partner's last name becomes your new last name. So you can do any kind of combination of that that makes sense to you. You can also go completely outside of the box and just change your last name completely. This is not something that I think a lot of people know is an option. It's not done very often. It's certainly not traditional, but I have a friend of mine who is thinking of combining their two last names. So when they get married, one of their last names is Parker, one of their last names is Saunders. And so they're thinking of combining their names into like Ponders or something like that. And it's getting a whole new last name. And I really love that idea. My husband and I actually did that. So Gardenia is neither of our um, maiden last name. I actually am realizing there is not a term for the man's birth name. It's maiden for the woman's birth name. (laughs) Anyways, so my original last name was Milton and his was Gomez. And we had a whole conversation similar as you as far as what are we going to do about our last names. So we had a conversation about me taking his last name and I said I didn't want to do that because his last name is his dad's last name and he doesn't have a relationship with his dad. So what's the point? Why do I want to carry on that name? It means nothing to me and means nothing to you. And so we talked about, well, how about you take my last name? We can both be Milton's. Then he said, well, isn't Milton your grandfather's last name? And you've never even met your grandfather. I'm like, oh, you know what? True point. Very valid. So we sat around trying to figure out what we were going to do. And I said, jokingly, we could just make something up and just change our names completely. And he lit up. He was like, yes, let's do that. So started researching names and his only stipulation was that he wanted to start with a G because he wanted to keep his initials the same. And so I just looked at different names and stumbled upon Gardenia and I thought it was such a beautiful fit. So that's what we did. It is a longer process to change your name like that. It's not considered a marital name change. It's considered a legal name change. And you have to go to court and just kind of certify that you're not trying to commit fraud or anything by changing your name to something random. 
Um, but other than that, it's it's done. It's more expensive. You do have to pay an extra fee for doing it that way. And really, I think it's just because the government doesn't want to make it too easy to encourage too many people who are trying to commit fraud to just change their names willy nilly. But know that you can do anything you want as far as your last name, whatever is going to feel really comfortable to you. Some people make it kind of silly and fun and just say whoever has the coolest last name, that's who gets to keep their last name and the other one takes that last name. You can do that or do kind of what we did and think about whose last name is more meaningful, who has a name attached to it that has a legacy that you want to carry on. And for me and my husband, it was neither of our names, we realized. Neither of our names meant anything to us that was positive, at least. And both of our last names actually kind of carried a lot of baggage and burden behind them. You know, our, my grandfather and his father were not the best you know, people in our family. And so we didn't want to carry on that name, you know, to our children and stuff. And so it made a lot of sense to just start a new kind of family branch. And so that's something that made sense for us. And so you really just need to figure out what makes sense for you. All right, lovebirds, thank you so much for listening and be sure to subscribe to get notified of next week's episode. And if you have a wedding question you'd like me to answer, or if you have an idea for an upcoming episode topic, I'd love to hear it. Send it over to us at gardeniawed.com slash podcast. See you next week.